We had a saying in my house growing up. Well, I had the saying. And, and, and actually, it wasn't my house when I was growing up. It was my house when my son was growing up. And it is your right. Uh, I know that most of the men in here went to that class, How to Wrestle with Your Son, right? It's, it's part of the parental responsibilities. If you've got a boy, you have to know how to do that. And uh, so I always felt like it was my responsibility to teach him how to win um, in that endeavor. And so we would be wrestling, and he was like five years old, and I was this. And, um, you know, you let him kind of get the better of you, give him some hope. And, and then I always had my go-to move. And it, was always, it always had a statement, control the head, control the body. And he would feel this hand come upon the back of his neck. And I would just keep saying it over and over as I would just guide him into the cushions of the sofa or into his cereal bowl all the way down. Baptize him in the milk. Control the head. Control the body. Say it, son. Say it. Control. No, I'm just kidding. Now what he wants to do is he's told me and he's, he's informing me, Dad, when you're 80 and you're in a wheelchair, oh, ho, 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 ho. you taught me well. You taught me well. So that's kind of what we're looking at today. Control the head, control the body, but we're going to just substitute one word. Control the mind, control the body. Colossians 3, 1-4, it's on the screens. You can follow along in your Scriptures where you sit. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. This is one of my favorite sections of Scripture. The power of these words are revolutionary, and they should change your life. You know, Janine just shared about, was it Friedman? Freeberg? Feinberg. Is a perfect illustration. I didn't know that story. And she just shared a perfect illustration of being on an MRI table, getting ready to find out devastating news possibly, life-changing news possibly. Where do you think your thoughts would be? And I've been in an MRI machine. Actually, I think I broke it. Um, it was pretty small. And uh, you get a lot of time to sit in there and think. Right? You have a lot of time to sit in there and think. So what would you be thinking about if you're taking an MRI to find out if you have devastating cancer? But see, she practiced. She practiced. And we can practice. And I promise you, if we practice, it changes your life. It changes your life. Let me give you your first point. You have uh, sermon notes. So if you want to take those out, you can fill in the blanks. And we're going to start with this idea. I kind of really need to set the table here. I kind of really need to help us all get on the same page, if you will, okay? So let's start with this first central thought. We are a reflection of our thoughts. We are a reflection of our thoughts. If you continually think about Del Taco, you reflect this, right? If you continually think about Jesus... You reflect who? Jesus. If you continually reflect on the political landscape of our country currently, 
Nobody's going to want to talk to you. If you currently reflect on... You see, what, you see how this works? Now do some self-evaluation and ask yourself, what am I reflecting? What does my time, what does my body, what do my accomplishments say about where my head is? Well, let me break it down. Because you may be sitting there saying, well, I, I don't know where you're going, Pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, let's get specific, shall we? If, if we want to postulate that we are a reflection of our thoughts, and, and we'll go back to Colossians 3, verse 3 in a moment, well, how do we spend our money? How do we spend our money? Do we spend as Christ spent? Do we spend money in a, in a way that creates an overabundance of stress in our lives so that we have those circumstances thrown on us because we're not thinking in biblical principles about how we spend our money? What about how we spend our time? You see, I can spend my time serving myself over and over and over, and that's all I'm going to reflect. And honestly, the more I serve myself, the more I get frustrated with myself. And I'm not really reflecting much of anything other than myself. But if I spend my time walking as Christ walks, if I spend my time serving others, then hopefully the reflection there is one of whom? Of Christ. How do you get to a point where you're sitting on an MRI table and you just start praising Jesus? Control the mind. Control the body. How we spend our passion is a reflection of how we think. Every day, I am not a morning person. Some of you know that. And it has been passed on, genetically, I'm sure, to my children. And so I do my best every day to give my, my girls, because I drop them off at school, to give them a, 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 you know, one of those Robin Williams seize the day carpe diem speeches as they're getting, and they're just sitting there like this, you know, in the car. They're still asleep. They're barely, they're barely holding it together. And I'm like, find your purpose. I'm like, sound like I'm in Gladiator or something, right? You know, lean into it. Make a difference. All right? Just go to class. That'll be a, a plus. Right? So just trying to give something of passion. And I say those words to them specifically, and I say them to you often from this stage. Find your purpose. Your purpose is your passion. Passion is a misinterpreted word these days. We're going to head into the Passion Week towards the end of this month. Passion, as it's a derivative of its Latin meaning means to, and you'll never guess this, but it means to suffer. And so that, the reflective of that, is this concept that I'm willing to go through what? I'm willing to go through suffering in order to accomplish this purpose. If somebody's willing to do that, they are what? They are passionate. So you learned something today. So how do you spend your passion? So there's just three key ways to evaluate this idea of we're a reflection of our thoughts. Look at, look, let's look at Colossians uh, 3, verse 3. He says this, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
You have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you see yourself that way? Because if I were to see myself as dead to my circumstances, because I have citizenship in heaven, you know, I would live my daily life a whole lot differently, wouldn't I? You see, it's control the mind and you control the body. Control the mind, you control the body. Matthew 6.19 says this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So, this morning, if we're talking about this idea of Paul says you need to focus on Christ, you need to focus on the things above, rather than focusing on earthly things, above and below, above and below, right? That I have the below pounding me day in, day out, don't I? On an hourly basis. How do I get Christ to be the louder voice over all that noise that wants to dictate my life? Because, my friends, it doesn't just happen. So since we we pose this idea that we're a reflection of our thoughts, let's look at what we should do with it, shall we? If Paul's saying that there's something powerful about focusing on Christ and focusing on what is above rather than focusing on earthly things, understand where we've come from. Understand what he just talked about. Remember the messages that we gave here, those eloquent messages, those deep ethereal, theological, doctrinal statements of tattoos, beer, and Jesus? You remember those two? And it was all about, you know, Paul saying, don't submit yourselves to these people that want to come along and give you these rules of don't taste, don't touch, don't handle, for they are what? They're powerless. They're powerless against the indulgences of the flesh. Okay, great, yay, I don't have to follow any more rules, right? That's what you're saying, Paul. these four verses are what you call a segue, folks. And it's a big segue because there is a big list of do's and don'ts coming. And we'll start tackling that over the next two weeks. But if, if Paul says back here, he says, stop submitting yourself to all these rules, and now he's about to give you a whole handful of rules, what he's doing in the middle, which is where we are today, is he's telling you how do you do this correctly. How do you do this correctly? Don't mess it up, folks. When we get into this, you know, do not do this, do not do that, but do this and do this and do this, don't get sucked back into this stuff of just trying to accomplish legalism. Listen to what Paul's saying today. That if our mind is focused on Christ and not on earthly things, that sets us, it embarks us on the right path to fulfill what God's standard is for us and a healthy life. So second point this morning, setting your mind on toxic things makes you toxic. Setting your mind on toxic things makes us toxic. Colossians 3, 2 and 3. I just read 3 for you, so let me read 2. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are of what? Of earth. Right? So let's break that down. Setting your mind on the things of earth is what he's warning us against. So start thinking in relative terms, what are those things of earth? Well, I would dare say that a lot of what concerns you throughout the week, a lot of the noise that we have in our life, 
somehow is connected to this statement. It's somehow connected to this statement. And and I'll give you a little bit of clarity here in, in a moment. Secondly, controlled by our circumstances. Are you and I controlled by our circumstances? Have you ever struggled with motivation because of your circumstances? Have you ever been broken hearted and you just don't want to hear from Jesus right now because He let you down? When in fact, it wasn't Jesus that let you down. It was this person or it was this circumstance. Have you ever just wanted to recluse yourself because your circumstances are overwhelming? If you say no to all of that, then I don't think you're actually breathing. I don't think you're human. You see, the prince of this world, the Scripture says, seeks to steal and to kill and to destroy, but Christ has come to give you and I life and life to the full. So how do we do this? How do we deal with it? Well, we have to acknowledge that we're in this constant battle of being controlled by our circumstances. Paul talks about this. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians. And I want to give you, this is one of my favorite passages. Paul has the secret to this. Because if anybody had trying circumstances, it's a guy that was stoned multiple times, and we're not talking like 420 stoned, okay? If, if you're new here today, that means they picked up rocks and threw it at him to kill him. Um, he, was, uh, he was tortured. He was put in jail. He was besieged. He was constantly on the run for his life over and over and over and over. Paul knew what he was talking about. Now think about that, that you're getting that from the Romans or from the Gentiles, and then think about the fact that you're also getting it from the Jews, your own people who you used to be a leader of, and think about the fact that sometimes you're even getting it from the church. And so Paul knows a little something about suffering. And what does he say, starting in verse 16? And I would underline this. I would write it down in your notes. I would hold on to this, because here's your secret to making a million dollars, right? No money down. So we do not lose heart. How many of you have ever... I've been there. You've been there? I've been there. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. You got me. You had me at renewed. Right? Wait a minute. What are you talking about? I could relate to the wasting away part, but now you're saying you're able to renew yourself every single day? Okay, let's see how you do this. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that goes beyond all comparison. What does he say about the affliction? How does he see it? How does his mind see it? He controls his mind and he minimizes the affliction. He calls it what? Overwhelming! Oh, you don't know how bad it is. I've been stuck in jail for like three years, right? That is overwhelming. How many of you would think it would be overwhelming if you're stuck in jail for no good reason for three years? What did Paul just call it? Light and momentary. Controlling the mind. How do you do that? It's found in the second part of what he says here. He says, what? This affliction is preparing for us a what? An eternal weight 
of glory beyond all comparison. These are strong words. These aren't passive words. These aren't minimizing words. These are huge, descriptive, demonstrative words. You see, his mind gets it. He knows what's coming. He knows what he's working towards. He knows his purpose. And all of his circumstances are related to that. You want to know the secret? This is it. Control the mind. Control the body. And what does he say? How do you do that specifically? Because folks, this is your, this is your key. He says, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not, look, look. What are you looking at? What are you looking at all the time? What do you see in people? What do you see in the landscape around you? What do you see in yourself? We live in a society that there are so many self-help books because they know how we feel about ourselves. How did you get there? And can you marginalize that and turn it into a light and momentary affliction like Paul does? He says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but what? To the things that are unseen. Mrs. Freeberg sitting on an MRI table and what is she looking at? The big metal contraption that for so many people is the prophet of death. She chose not to look at that. She chose to control the mind and focus on the unseen, didn't she? And what was the result? A body of rejoicing to the point where her thought is, I wonder if anybody has ever praised God from this position. This is not unique. This is not for the select few. This is for everyone sitting in here today. This is the power of Christ. This is what He does. And this is what a true relationship with Christ does if we control the mind, if we focus on the things that are unseen, not the things that are seen. And then he gives this this closing statement on it. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We already heard that out of Matthew 6, didn't we? You see, having a wisdom and knowledge of what those circumstances around us actually hold as far as power, so much of the time we give them all the power they need to hold us captive. And that's where we're going in this next, next point. Toxic thinking is that which holds us captive. Galatians 5.1 Turn there as well. You need, to, you need to read this. Right? As one parent hands the other parent the report card of their child. You need to read this. All oh, A's! That's fantastic. two people got that great for freedom christ has set us free stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery you need to underline that verse in your bible you need to memorize that verse you see when we let our circumstances when we focus on what is seen when we let that dominate our life and our thinking it then dominates how we live It dominates who you are as a person and you become what? I become what to it? Become captive. Anybody out here have some damaging thoughts about themselves? Why would you? You are a magnificent creation of God. 
why would you listen to anybody, let alone yourself, to demean the creation of God? You were created for good works in Christ Jesus. You were the one that Jesus hung on a cross for. And yet, you or others want to demean the creation that God has made. Toxic thinking? Yeah. I made chili for tonight. You want to talk about toxic? My wife kept telling me, you can't put that in there. I said, oh yes I can. Oh yes I can. Just watch which chili she does not eat and you'll know which one to stay away from. Last point today. Setting your mind on Christ makes us free. Colossians 3, 1, 2, and 4. Let me read this. If you have been raised with Christ, in other words, you believe in Jesus Christ, you've placed your faith and trust with Him, you have been raised, you participate in that resurrection, and we'll talk about that on Easter. What are you supposed to do then? Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Let's break this down. Setting your mind on Christ and the things above is the secret. It truly is the secret that if you want to control the body and what is happening in your day in, day out circumstances and feeling overwhelmed or whatever it is, you have to control the mind. Gentlemen, I'm going to give you a little secret. Alright, this is free for you tonight. I've been forewarned that you will cry at this movie. Watch, no guys are going to show up now. And it's going to be 400 women. Okay? Um, it's a powerful, powerful movie. And most men love crying. Just open weeping at movies. They're so affirmed in their masculinity that it's not a problem whatsoever. That's not me though. Okay? I, my, my masculinity is very fragile. My wife, anyway, I asked my wife, I asked my wife, honey, um, I'm not sure a man driving around in a convertible mini is all that masculine. And, and she says, honey, I don't care if you're in a mini or, or whatever. There's nothing that's going to take away your masculinity. And I said, even if you're driving and I'm riding shotgun, I'm still masculine. She clarified, yes, so I'm going to go with that. So gentlemen, when it comes to setting your mind on Christ, you've got to set your mind on Christ so you don't suffer these things. I'm going to give you a little hint for tonight. You start tearing up. You start getting there. I'm going to give you a little secret that works. There's a gentleman that I know that was having problems. I was counseling him, and I gave him this, this technique. And he was stressing incredibly. His whole physical body was involved, and he couldn't hold still. And he couldn't even think straight. And I, and, and I found myself at an impasse. I couldn't even have a conversation with him. And and I said, hey, um, and I'll just say a different name. I'll say, uh, you know, hey, Fernando. It's not Fernando, okay? <laughs> hey, Fernando, uh, tell me about purple pineapples. And he said, what? I said, tell me about a purple pineapple. Describe a purple pineapple to me. And he, he says, well, there's no such thing. I said, I know that. Just tell me what does a purple pineapple look like? And he starts, you're nuts. I'm glad I'm not paying for this stuff. And, and so he, he's kind of going through it, and he's, and he's describing it. And guess what? By the time he got done, he's holding completely still. That's my secret to getting through chick flicks. 
when I start to tear up, I start, I totally detach and think about purple pineapples. <laughs> and you've, you'll never see saline drop down these cheeks ever. So that illustration saying, what does that have to do with anything? That. If you can take yourself out of an incredibly emotional situation that you're completely tied up into and it's causing you this consternation, you can do it with anything. We can do this. But if you just try to do it on your own, you're going to fall flat on your face. If you set your mind on Christ, He will give you the power to conquer over these toxic areas. Let me demonstrate this. By the way, I'm going to give you a technique here. You ready? First of all, you've got to know who Christ is. If you're going to focus on Christ, you've got to know who He is. Go to the book of, book of John. Just read through the book of John. That's a great intro to who Christ is, if you don't know. Secondly, what are the things above? Let me help you with who Christ is and what the things are above. Who is Christ? He is the Almighty. He sits at the right hand of God. He's the substitute for our penalty of sin. The wind obeys Him. He's a healer. He's a friend. He's an advocate. He's interceding for you and I. He's risen from the grave. He conquered death. He is eternal. He's the Creator. He is wise. He is sacrificing. He is a gift giver. He's a mentor, a trainer, a role model, a leader, a servant. He is perfect. And I don't have enough time to keep going, do I? What are the things above? Heaven. Eternal life. A place prepared for us by Jesus. God's will. Love. Godly wisdom. Peace. Patience. Kindness. Gentleness. Light. Comfort. Security. Power. Life. Strength. Righteousness. Holiness. Goodness. Faith. And prayer. You want to know the power of how to control the mind when you're big, Weapons is prayer. Make sure you're at this movie tonight. Make sure you're at this movie tonight. You know, the problem that we have is knowing how to apply things sometimes. Here's my encouragement to you. How do you set your mind on Christ? I want you to practice this this way. Think of five things. If five is too much, take it down to three. Three. (laughs) Told you, I'm really good at math. Think of five things about what Christ has done for you and you memorize those things. And when the, when the toxic thinking comes, you just start saying those things. You just start saying those things about who Jesus Christ is. And your mind can only hold on to so much at one time. I guarantee you, it cannot hold on to toxic thinking and righteous thinking at the same time. You multitaskers, yes, rise up, be blessed. But you cannot think both those things at the same time. They don't coexist. Find five things about Jesus Christ or about the things above. You memorize them. And when the toxic thinking comes that wants to overwhelm you and hold you prisoner and take you captive, you just start saying those things. I have mine. I have mine. And I will share with you, your pastor doesn't stand up here as one who just speaks ideologically about these things. I have walked, and I shared about this time last year, that I have walked through the shadow of death, or the valley of death, or however you want to say it. And I can say I will fear no evil. 
And I can say it is because of this practice. This practice is the only reason I'm standing in front of you today. That is the only reason. So it works. You got it? It works. Next, measure yourself. (laughs) What? What measure myself? I'm currently measuring six things about myself right now. I'm measuring my blood pressure. I went and bought a machine. <laughs> I didn't know math went that high. I, uh, I have this thing that measures my pulse and how much activity I do all day long, right? So I know if I'm, if I'm sitting too long, it gives me an electric shock, <laughs> you know? I'm into serious accountability. It, it, it'll shock me and say, you know, get up. By the way, it shocked me about five minutes ago telling me I need to wrap this up. So just want to let you know how sincere I am about that. Why am I going like this? Because electricity makes you convulse. Okay. I'm measuring my weight. I'm measuring what I'm eating. I'm measuring my blood pressure. I'm measuring all these things. Why would I spend all this time, and I'm even recording it, why am I doing all this? Because I want to see results. So my friends, if you get these five things and you don't measure how this is working, guess what? You're just going give, to give it away. You're going to walk away from it. Measure it. Watch it work. Because it works. If you believe it works, if you experience it working, you're going to stick with it. Our last point today is this, and it's very simple. Freedom becomes a reputation and ex- expectation. It's just like Galatians 5.1 says. It's just like Paul is saying here that if my mind, if I can control my mind, if I can focus on the unseen and not the seen, guess what? I don't have to live a life of toxic thinking that then turns and reflects and commands my day in, day out life. This is an answer that works. Let me give you an answer that doesn't work. From the CDC... I take this. Antidepressants use has surged almost 400% when you compare the figures from a three-year period ending in 2008 to the six years ending in 1994. So they're comparing two spans of time. The year the eye-opening memoir Prozac Nation was published. If that's not startling enough for you, consider a few more details. More than one in five women ages 40 through 59 are taking an antidepressant. The highest rate for any group. Overall, women and adolescent girls are two and a half times more likely than men and adolescent boys to be taking one of the pills. But wait, there's more. Nearly 4% of adolescents ages 12 to 17 are on antidepressants. Boy, that's depressing. That's depressing. And please understand me. All these statistics would say a lot of you are on antidepressants sitting in front of me right now. Okay? That there are, there are chemical reasons to be on those. Often. But my friends, we have created a society that says, I don't want to work through it. I am overwhelmed. I can't handle it. Because they have nothing to look to. And we have surrendered the real power to change the reflection of our lives day in, day out to something that, by the way, modern science, I'm not, I'm not quoting biblical counselors, I'm not quoting myself, modern science says this is failing us. 
we just keep throwing medication and medication and medication. And it's getting worse. So when I started this message, I said that this applies to all of us. It applies and it's crucial. So when we look at this last statement in closing, freedom becomes our reputation and expectation. Do we really believe this? And how do we get there? Well, what a ripoff for you to go spend your money to come to this conference if we didn't have a good answer. But we have a really good answer. Paul says, set your mind on Christ and set your mind on the things above. Amen? Amen. Let me close in prayer. Thank you for being here this morning. And I encourage you, men, please remember, sign up because we will, we will have to stop the sign-ups next week for, uh, for men's retreat. So see Rich on the way out. And we'll see you all back here at 4.30. If you're bringing food, come a little bit early so we can get all that set up. Because there won't be time. We'll start the movie right away. And then we're going to have people yelling at people down in front. You spilled your chili on me. Hey, knock it off. Okay. You got to get your kids over to, you know, child care, all that. So we're looking forward to tonight and be in prayer. We're going to spend time in prayer after the movie too. So looking forward to it. Let's pray. Lord, to you be the glory in all things. And thank you that you give us hope. You give us something to look towards. Lord, help us to set our minds on You so that we aren't given over to toxic thinking. We aren't given over to those things that will destroy us, that will hold us back, that will, that will hold us captive. But let us set our minds on the things that give us life and give us freedom, which is You. Let us focus on the unseen, not the seen. Let us see things as light and momentary troubles. Let us see things that as we focus on You, it becomes the weight of glory that goes beyond all things. To You be all glory, Father. Work powerfully among us. And let us take five things and then let us measure and see if it changes life. We praise You, Father. And we thank You for our time together today. Amen.